The following podcast you're about to listen to is brought to you by the Push Start Media Network, where everything you do in life begins with Push and Start. Benjamin, along with my co-host, Mr. Ed Reuter in the building. And of course, we got another special guest in the building. He's been on the show before and I'm glad to have him back. My guy, Josh, a.k.a. Duke Clark. Gentlemen, what's good, man? How y'all feeling? I'm good. I'm doing good, man. How you guys doing? And I, unlike Duke, am doing terrible tonight, Bryce. <laughs> fucking awful. I'm not, I would love to just come out here and say that I'm doing great and that everything's all sunshine and roses. But it's not. It's a terrible night. I'm hating life right now. My Indians are getting embarrassed Ooh. tonight by the New York Yankees. Uh, hey. Uh-huh. <laughs> Bryce, what did, what, did you, what did you bring on the show today? He is a Yankees fan. Okay. Of course he is. Of course he is. You, you would do that to me today. Have, I did, a, have a Yankee I, fan on the, on the cast. That's, I did that's terrific. You, I did set you up for failure. My fault. Man. Brutal. Brutal, brutal, brutal. But, but hey, uh, listen, man. He, that's he, not what we're here for today, right? Yeah, it's a yeah. fact. That's I'm a fact. That. <laughs> I appreciate that, dude. I did see uh, Judge go yard on his first pitch. So I, I, I just I just got done saying we're not going to talk about that anymore. <laughs> now, in fairness, I opened the door to this by bringing it up first, but uh, I'm now closing the door. No more talk about that. I'm going <laughs> to right, get past enough. it. I'm going to get over it like a big boy. Let's let's move on. Hey man, still got two more games. So hopefully. what did I just say? All right, all right I'm <laughs> done. I'm done. I'm let done. It go. I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> let's move on. Let's talk about uh, NFL Week Three. And uh, I kind of want to start last night, Monday Night Football, Baltimore Ravens versus the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, this game has been pretty much hyped up since the schedules were released in the off season as the game of the year. Um, two of the marquee quarterbacks in the NFL right now, Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, battling. Uh, and, uh, I mean, it did not live up to the bill on my end. I had to sit back and watch my Ravens get their ass kicked for fucking four quarters. And, um, just to kind of give some thoughts on that game, man, first of all, like Pat Mahomes, the level of quarterback play from this dude is, is really ridiculous. Like our defense is not bad. Like we have a, a good defense and he just played with us. Like he did whatever he wanted, whenever he wanted, however he wanted, Andy Reid, like the, the plays that he was drawing up, dude, was just ridiculous. And I'm like, how are we not making any adjustments? And then on offense, like the Baltimore Ravens offense just looked anemic. Like we we got away from what we do best and running the ball. And Lamar Jackson was just inaccurate all game, missing receivers left and right, tight ends dropping passes. It was just a terrible performance by my Baltimore Ravens. But uh, I'm trying to get over it. What's your guys' thoughts on that game, man? Well, I'd go first on this one. Yeah, please oh. do. Oh, now he's courteous. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that, Duke. Thank you. Um, well, the first thing I would say, Bryce, is I know it's, it's got to be a downer for you having watched that game, but there's there's still a lot of positive takeaways from there, man. This is a, you know, I, I spent the 
the last few hours uh, after the game yesterday and, and some time today looking at people's ratings and things. And they were, they were dropping Baltimore damn near out of their top 10 and stuff. Um, this is, this is still a top team in football. Um, the, the Ravens didn't go out there and beat themselves. Um, what, what I saw was uh, a few players that, you know, I don't get to watch all the time, right? I know that you watch them more often than, than anyone I know, but uh, I got to see a guy, Marlon Humphrey, uh, look really good on a lot of plays a lot of tight coverage. He wasn't out there blowing coverages. It was just getting beat by Mahomes, right? I mean, that, that's going to happen to any team. I saw a guy in Calais Campbell, who I didn't realize how dominant of a force he could be in the interior. He looked really good at times, both stuff in the run and, and getting after Mahomes. There were so many times where, you know, they had plugged the middle, they had the edge covered, and Mahomes just off of his back foot, a quarterback that maybe, uh, excuse me, a throw that maybe two quarterbacks in the league could make, he makes a play. You know, um, I thought that the Ravens didn't beat themselves. They were beat by a team that just looked better on that night. But um, it's tough. It's uh, the, the Chiefs are going to be a nightmare matchup for for a lot of teams. And I, I don't think you have anything to to hang your head about yet. I still I still see the 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 Ravens winning the division. I still I, they're they're going to be just fine, man. So no worries there. Yeah, I agree with that. A lot of people are are knocking the Ravens to the lower lower half of the top 10 out of there completely. And from, to me, they're still a top five team. Um, uh, Matt Johnson on his post today, I put him at number two. Uh, you just – when Andy Reid gets in his bag like that with a quarterback as talented as Mahomes, it's just it, – it's unfair. I mean, I didn't get to watch the game live, but I, I watched it after I got home from work, and it's – it's absolutely incredible what this what Reed does, and Mahomes has this great ability to take what the defense gives him or just create something completely. Mm-hmm. You see him make these throws that only he can make, but then you also see him perfectly executing dump off throws, screens, um, shuffle passes, and it, there's just nothing anyone can do with them when when he's operating on that level. The Ravens' defense did a good job stopping the run. Um, Edward Hilaire was kind of bottled up for most of the night, but the, the passing game was just just run ran rampant, and there's really nothing you can do. Man. It was just – I think if these teams play again, it won't be – even though it was only a 14-point game, it, it seemed a lot more of a dominant showing for the Chiefs than the final score says. Um, but I don't think it will be like that if they play again. I think Andy Reid kind of got deep in his bag of tricks, and it was something that um, the Ravens haven't seen yet. But like Ed said, if you watch the defense, it wasn't like they were out of sorts or out of position. It was just it was just what happened. Um, but that that was that was as perfect as a performance as the Chiefs I think can put out there. Uh, and it was only a fourteen point game. I think with some adjustments, it we can easily see these teams have a, have a classic matchup in an AFC championship down the road. Yeah. I, a message for the Baltimore Ravens um, offensive and defensive coordinators, particularly on offense, Greg Roman. And I love what he's done with our offense and what he's done with Lamar Jackson and what he's able to create with him. But dude, if you're running the ball and they can't stop the run, don't stop running the ball. Like stop trying to get cute. Stop trying to like match wits with Andy Reid and, and shit like that. Do like, like it seems whenever we play these teams and watching this game was like watching the Tennessee game all over again. We're running the ball. We're having success with the run. 
And okay, the first drive, we get three points instead of a touchdown, which we should have kept running because they couldn't stop it. And then Chiefs come down and score a touchdown. They miss the field goal. We're down three. And then we just completely abandoned the running game already. Like, I'm like, what the fuck did y'all doing? Like, use the run to set up the pass. The Chiefs was clogging the middle of the field. And then on top of that, it didn't help that our best, uh, our best receiver, our best tight end, Mark Andrews, is dropping everything coming his way. So Lamar never got into a rhythm, never got comfortable, and he needs to improve as a quarterback throwing those passes outside the number because he missed a couple of them to Hollywood down the sidelines where it was he got his corner beat. He got his man beat, and those were touchdowns. You got to make those throws. Simple as that. So um, I'm not down on it. Like, we lost to the Chiefs. Like, we lost to the best team in football that defended chance for a reason. But at the same time, though, I do want to see a better fight because it just seemed like they just kind of just took the fight to us and then just took us out of it. Like, like besides that kick return, man, like I didn't really have any exciting plays for us. Like that shit was just kind of depressing the whole game. But uh, nonetheless, though, I do hope that uh, if we do happen to meet them again in the uh, playoffs, that we can make the necessary adjustments and get better from this. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. I don't know why they abandoned the run so quickly. I mean, you look, they have, they had 20 rushing attempts and averaged like an insane, insane number on every, every rush. And it wasn't like it was like a classic Mahomes game where they put you behind the eight ball and you had to pass the ball right until later in the game. I don't, I don't, that was, that was a little weird to me too. I don't really have any explanation for it. Yeah. That's uh Greg Roman out thinking himself, man, trying to get too cute. Like simplify the game sometimes. It's really that simple. But nonetheless, man, the Chiefs, shout out to Patrick Mahomes, man. Four touchdowns, five touchdowns total. He was fucking awesome. Like I hats off to him. The dude is the best quarterback in the league. Well, between him and Russell Wilson right now. And man, nothing but love for that man. Fucking hate that dude. <laughs> <I fucking laughs> that dude so yeah, he's much. been he's been your guy's kryptonite specifically. I mean, that's one of the things that I was gonna say moving forward. Uh, the only thing you've got to hope is that for for Lamar that it's not in his head now. Uh, he did talk about it in, in the days leading up to the game that he knew he was 0-2 against Mahomes. He called him the kryptonite afterwards. You just got to hope that that's not something that sticks with him or that that's in his head because you you will see him, uh, you know, uh, maybe put a little too much on those passes, you know, uh, maybe not um, not himself if, yeah. if, if that's in his head, you know. Yeah, so. that's a big fact, man. Let me um, ask you a question real quick, Bryce. Yeah, yeah what's are, up? Are you concerned with the way Lamar Jackson throws the ball? Or do you think it was a bad day for him? I mean, he did have a lot of drops as well, but. I think it was a bad day um, because what happens with Lamar, watching him, a lot of times what happens is if he gets out of his rhythm, if you get him out of his rhythm early, if he's not feeling confident in his throws, then that's when you start to see those those balls sell and the inaccuracy and the, the decision-making gets out of, out of, out of whack. But. If he's comfortable, if he's if he's like the offense is going smoothly for him, and then that's when we see the best version of Lamar. What I don't like is the body language when you're down, when like things aren't going your way. I don't need you to be pouting and hanging your head down low and, you know, throwing little temper tantrums and shit like that. Cause that's the, like seeing that as a fan watching that at home. I'm like, yo, come on, man. You like, I can only imagine what the chief sideline is thinking. Like, yo, we get into this man. Like we, we get into his head right now. So he gotta, he gotta work. He gotta work on that aspect <laughs> of his game. Like things aren't always going to go the way that there's game plan to go. And you gotta be able to go ahead and adjust to that. You gotta be able to adapt to that. Like that's what separates the good from the great. Like Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Patrick Mahomes, the motherfuckers, they come through that shit. They get through all that. But 
That's the next step. That's the next step in his evolution of a quarterback. But um, yeah, him throwing the ball and everything of that nature there, uh, just got to work on those deep throws. You got to hit those shots when we get when we got them. And um, I'll be good with that. Oof. All right. Uh, yeah, move, moving on, moving on. Let's talk about some other games, man. Any key games that stuck out to y'all week three? Well, you know, you know me, uh, big Bills fan. Hey, um, hey. Had me on shit on Twitter early in the game. <laughs> and then uh, they kind of pulled the Falcons on me, and I'm just sweating. But um, to go back to what you're talking about with Lamar, Josh Allen kind of did the opposite, never put his head down, um, kept his focus, made some huge plays, uh, even though Aaron Donald was just wrecking that offensive line consistently every play in the second half of the fourth quarter. Um, And a couple of times he obviously got to Allen, but you would, a lot of quarterbacks would get sacked twice by Aaron Donald in the fourth quarter and kind of come unraveled. He still kept his composure, uh, still, still used his legs to scramble, but didn't he didn't um, break down and kind of go for the runs that we've seen for him in the past. And that a lot of running quarterbacks, they just they just stop looking down the field and bail on the play and run, uh, specifically on that third and long that he got to Beasley. Um, and then obviously with the touchdown, which was a beautiful throw off his back foot. Um, but I, I kind of come away with this game with two in two different fields of thought in my head. And one is the defense has done this kind of consistently this year. Um, less so with the jets because their offense is just, out of, is just in shambles, but we let the dolphins come back. We let the, uh, the Rams come back and it took late game heroics in both games to win. That being said, you'd like to see those late game heroics and you'd like to see that composure and that will go a long way in the playoffs when games are a lot closer. Um, I think the Josh Allen that we've seen in that last playoff game and the Josh Allen we're seeing now that is just head, of, head and shoulders above that. But the defense, the, the, the team still goes as the defense goes. I don't know if Josh Allen can maintain this type of play. We need better play from our defense and um, ex- specifically the rush defense, uh, just big holes kind of being open all day for a team that doesn't have the most talented running backs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it, it, um, that being said, it was a huge win for Buffalo to go against a good team and, and sneak out a win like that. <clears throat> yeah, I think I completely concur with what Duke was saying there in particular about the defense, just because uh, if you would have told me at the beginning of the year that it would be the defense letting the team down while Allen is coming out there playing the way that he is, I would have called you crazy. I would have thought the strength of this team, right? The, the strength of this team would have been the defense and that the Bills would be winning a lot of you know, games. I, I did say that they could come out early in the season, uh, five and zero or four and one. I believe that was my prediction in the in the preseason. It's it's looking pretty good at this point. But uh, with that being said, I, I thought a lot more low scoring games. You know, I thought we might see some you know twenty to ten or things like that, not uh, some of the shootouts that we've seen. And what I think Duke was uh, kind of alluding to was that the defense doesn't seem to have that killer instinct where you you put your kind of boot on the throat of a downed opponent and just kind of squeeze the air out of them. Uh, don't see that from this team at all, which is surprising from McDermott because they've showed that in the past uh, that they were able when up uh, to be able to to kind of finish a team off. Uh, but you got you got to love the fact that they they're also able to 
they're they're built now to come back from a deficit. I think that's the difference between the, the Bills team last year and the Bills team this year is that the Bills team last year was built to get up on a team and then just hold them down. This Bills team, it seems as though they can put points on the board too. So, you know, even a 10 or 12 point deficit doesn't scare them and, you know, they can, they can score with anybody. And I think a lot of that has to do with uh, Allen improving and the addition of Stefan Diggs. Yeah, man. Josh Allen improvement from uh, last year to this year is, is, is astounding to, to see. Um, and I give nothing but credit to him, man. Like, I don't care if it was against the Jets and the Dolphins week one and week two, man, he, he went out and did it. Like last year, he didn't do that. And this, this year he's fucking, he's dominating. Like what he's second in the league in pass and touch, uh, touchdown passes right now. Right. Um, was leading the league at, in passing yards. I don't know if he still is, but like the man has been balling and like seeing the touch passes that he's been making, I've been very impressed by him. Um, but yeah, it seems like with the offense progressing, the defense just took a mean regression and, uh, Last year, you guys had a championship caliber defense, and then this year, it's kind of like, I don't know. So it's going to be interesting to see how when the season plays out, if uh, that kind of balances out. Like, is this Bills team really now an offensive juggernaut, and then the defense is going to be the the weakness, you know, of this team? So um, I think the jury's still out a little bit Um, with the – with the Dolphins game, they kind of – they really, really, really exploited um, Edmonds and Milano being out, yeah. which is a problem uh, depth-wise. But um, I kind of – I it was almost all tight end offense those last couple drives, which the which they did a good job of defending with Tyler Higby, who was having a really big season coming into this week. They were able to neutralize him pretty well other than that two-point conversion. Um, but – it's the it's the rush defense which had its struggles last year as well, but it wasn't it wasn't to this um, degree. Yeah. So I don't know if if Sean McVay was just doing such a good job opening up the game with with some of those screens to Woods and the underneath passes to Cup, uh, and 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 that's kind of why. So I'm I'm really interested to see moving forward um, with with less quality play callers um, how the defense. I think I think I think the uh, the Raiders game will be a good barometer, but it's weird having it even be a question mark at this point. Yeah, it is. It is. This is especially like you said from last year. Um, but I don't know. Move. We'll see. We'll see moving forward, man. I think this Bills team is for real. I still think you guys are going to win the division. Um, although the Patriots, uh, I think uh, the Patriots are going to give you guys a run for your money. Speaking of Patriots, man, shout out to Cam. Like. I love that dude, man. <laughs> like just seeing him back playing football, being happy, like making memes. <laughs> like he's a meme again. Like it's it's a beautiful sight, man. Patriots are rolling. They took out Oakland uh 20 to 36. A lot of people was trying to pick that game as an upset. Vegas, Vegas, man. Yeah, oh shit, you're right. Vegas. <laughs> My bad. I was good on that too. Um, a lot of people was trying to pick that game as an upset. And I was just trying to think of myself, like, you know, Patriots don't lose at home. Like, I, I don't care if there's no crowd there or whatever. Bill Belichick rarely loses at home. So I don't know. Shout out to Cam. Shout out to the Patriots. Uh, Rudy, you got any games you want to touch on? Yeah, I, I had a couple that that screamed out to me that I thought were pretty interesting. Uh, you had your two New, New Jersey teams uh, that got beat by a combined uh, 72 to 16 uh, this weekend. That's got to be about the, the biggest deficits I've seen coming out of uh, <laughs> New, New Jersey football in, in the last 10 years or so. Uh, what's striking about that game is you had a Colts team 
uh, that was, uh, I'd say, a little bit beleaguered, right? We don't know exactly what they are. Yeah. Uh, we don't know how good they are. Philip Rivers has at times looked really good and at times kind of looked like a mess. Um, we don't know exactly who the Colts are yet, but they certainly were enough to give it to the 0-3 Jets. And uh, who, I don't know if this is a statement game more about the Giants or the 49ers, but to see the 49ers, I mean, talk about riddled with injuries, uh, you know, to their starting quarterback, their starting running back, uh, top players on defense, both on the defensive line and in the secondary, uh, weapons all over the field being lost, more weapons being lost during the game as Jordan Reed, one of the guys that Nick Mullins was leaning on, uh, was also injured during the game. He's out four to six weeks. Um, but to still go out there and beat the Giants uh, 36 to nine, that was surprising even for me. So uh, I think that says a lot about who the 49ers are as a team. And uh, I, I just find it appalling and terrible for New York football fans, uh, whether you're a Jets fan or a Giants fan, uh, this is going to be a long season uh, for these two teams. And I'm not sure quite how they got there. Um, it's, it's, it's pretty awful right now. If you had to bet money, if you had to bet money on which team is going to get the first one of the season, who would you guys bet on? Between the two of them? Yeah. That shit is tough, right? <laughs> yeah. With, I mean, if Barkley was there, I would 100% say the Giants. But mm-hmm. oh, maybe maybe the Giants just because for some reason um, – the NFC East, just no matter how bad a team is, they always play each other like very well. I mean, you see it with Washington. So, I mean, maybe just just them going into an AFC or another NFC East uh, team and, and finding a way to win. I'll say the Giants, but I have no like, I have no backing on why they should win a game before the Jets. It's just they 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 play well in their own division comparatively, I guess. These two teams look like they can both go zero sixteen. Like it, it's that bad. Like they. they they really do. They they look they look like they're in terrible shape. Uh, it looks it looks ugly for both of these teams. I think that if if somehow uh, one of these te- two teams scores a win, and I'm talking anywhere in the next four weeks, because they play some tough opponents coming up, uh, the Giants in particular. Uh, these two teams between the two of them, they play uh, the Rams. Uh, they play. Uh, I want to say it was uh, the Cardinals are in there who who are no joke. Um, they play the Cowboys. Uh, it, it's going to be it's going to be a tough tough road ahead. I'm going to go just just for the sake of argument. I'm going to go against Duke here just for fun. I think <laughs> if there's a win on the Jets' horizon at all, it might come this week. Uh, coming up, it's a short week. You know how that goes. Anything can happen. And they're at home against a Broncos team who mm-hmm. is equally as injured as uh, that 49ers team that I was just talking about. Uh, so if there's a win on, on on the horizon at all, I think it comes this week. So. Uh, I don't see it happening, but I'd say that I'd say the Jets. They could beat the Broncos, man. The Broncos haven't looked too hot either. And plus they down to their third string quarterback. Uh, what's his name? Ripper? Ripner? Ian. It's like Brees Burke. I don't know how to pronounce it at all. Yeah, the, Bron- the Broncos might be in trouble. And I think I think that even before all this, this recent host of injuries, I think they were in trouble out of the gate. I think losing yeah. Von Miller when they did, I, I mean, that's a, that's a guy that's just the heart and soul of a team. And I think you it just got torn away from them just uh, essentially hours before the season. So, yeah, that's tough. It, they were up against it the start of the year, and it, it only got worse from there for them. So, uh, yeah, their only chance of success was a kind of resurgent year from the defense and kind of going through Gordon and, and, 
like how the Bills were last year um, and losing Miller and losing Locke. It's just, it's not looking good. I, I don't even know if I'm going to watch this Thursday. I, I'm probably definitely going to, but uh, it's, it's, it's going to be bad football. It's like yeah, the NFL yeah. picks the, the, the worst two teams every week they possibly can to put on uh, Thursday night, but we still watch. Yeah, I'm glad to get into bad games out of the way because after this week, I think we got a good slate of Thursday night games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, shout out to the promo crew uh, with the NFL for trying to put together a package to highlight uh, the Jets and Broncos <laughs> this week. You know? Coming this week, this Thursday, Sam Darnold and the Jets versus um, Melvin Gordon and the Broncos. I mean, I don't, I don't know what you do there. It's tough. That's uh, that's tough. See Jerry Judy. <laughs> Yeah. I'm just praying, honestly. I kind of want the Jets to win this game because I know they're not a threat to win the division, and I really don't want them getting Trevor Lawrence. Because by worst case scenario, they get Trevor Lawrence, they fire Gase and hire a competent coach, and now like all this is turned around. Uh, so that's that's all I'm rooting for is the Jets not getting the number one pick. Speaking of firing coaches, that's a good segue. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know where you're going but i i love it I yeah love yeah going. I'm, I'm going there so do you guys know any falcons fans oh boy because I, I, I think I, I think they need some hugs i know a couple too man and uh i think i think we need to give them a big hug when we see them like we gotta ignore social distancing and give them a hug because three straight weeks like three straight quinn, weeks oh man quinn i, I bet that game that is so i was thinking there's no way they do it three straight games they only had to cover the spread by three points. I parlayed them with the Packers and Steelers, who both both covered. Mm-hmm. Would have been 120 bucks off a small $20 bet. And I'm like, I was watching a couple plays in between the Bills game. I'm like, ah, it's fine. Turn the game off. It was like 26-9 or whatever. And here comes fucking Nick Foles, dude. <laughs> dude, and I'm just watching on the ticker. And I'm like, what the fuck? You gotta be kidding me, man! And the same thing happened to me last week with the Bills. So this, I'm just done betting. I'm just done betting these these late game drives. Just screw my parlays. Hey, listen, don't be done betting, man. Just tune in to beat the odds on Saturday, and I guarantee, I get, I give up. Yo, listen, I got two parlays back to back, and I'm telling you, bet money on my parlays. You're gonna win money. I guarantee it. I, I called upset of the week. Man. I called that Minnesota win, didn't I? You you write that it. down. You called it. They did. They did get the points, and uh, they I covered. Mean, they yeah, didn't win. They, they covered. Didn't win. I did. I did say win, but in fairness, I covered. You did. They, cover. they won. I covered they, on that. They won. Who cares? But um, <laughs> you won. They won. That's, yeah, that's the, a W in my book. The, yeah. I don't give a shit about Captain Kirk. <laughs> <laughs> you like that? I like that, Kirk. I like that. Kirk. I like that one point loss, buddy. <laughs> I like that. Need more of those. Not even in prime time. But um, yeah, the Falcons. That uh, Dan Quinn, like. He it's just like bad juju. Like I don't know what's going on with that franchise. I don't know what's going on. Ever since they blew the biggest league in Super Bowl history, it's just been downhill from there, bro. Like this is just I don't get it. Like I feel bad for them. Like I honestly feel bad for them. Like it's tough to watch. Like I can only imagine being that fan base right now, and the offense is just scoring all these points. Calvin Ridley looks awesome. Um, <laughs> Matt Ryan looks in form, and just early girls right they remind me of like an antithesis of of what the bills were early in the early to mid 2000s where they had these defensive teams three four hall of famer or potential hall of fame guys every year 
top five defenses and their offenses were just atrocious. And it's the complete opposite with the Falcons. Even without Julio Jones, they had a pretty good offensive game. They get out to a 20, but, but you also can't alleviate it from them. But still the talent on that, on that offensive side that they've had for almost a decade. Now you would think they'd be able to build that defense and I get they've been kind of building their own strengths, um, drafting Ridley uh, a couple of years back and signing Gurley. But you've had about four or five years of having an elite offense. All you've needed to do was make your defense serviceable. And it's gotten worse every year. And this, and for a defensive head coach, the guy who was the defensive coordinator for arguably the greatest defense in the history of the NFL, it's an embarrassment. You add these three games on there, there, I see no way, no reason why Dan Quinn should be on the, co- the, the sideline next week. There's, there's no, you're not making the playoffs at this point, especially in that division. The, it, it's embarrassing. The Seahawks is one thing. You're going up against arguably the greatest player in football. But, but to do that to, with the Cowboys and the Bears is despicable. I, I'm not even exaggerating. It's despicable. If I was a Falcons fan, I think I would rather see my team win one game all year than see that happen in three straight weeks. Even if they end up winning eight or nine games, I would rather see a one in 15 season than have to go through that three times like they just did. And it's tough too, Duke. It's, it's not just that they're losing those games, right? I mean, you could argue before the season started that, that they, they might be 0 three anyway, but the way they lost, I mean, you got kind of blown out despite throwing 450 yards in, in week one. Uh, you have that, I mean, I'm talking the worst onside recovery that I've ever seen where it just looked yeah. like the special teams was just inept. Like they didn't understand how the play worked, uh, where they just didn't jump on the ball until it slowly rolled for three or four yards to get past 10 yards and ultimately allow a comeback there. And then again, uh, letting Mitch and the boys hang around until it was time for Nick Foles to make his his dramatic entrance and, and do what he did. So, wow, I just uh, I don't see a way out. Um, I don't, I don't see a way out. It's, it's looking pretty bleak of, in Atlanta. Yeah. I think a lot of teams are struggling with this um, because of the shortened training camps and the no preseasons. Um, I don't know if it's communication issues. I don't know. Certain teams have different defensive schemes. We've seen the Bills struggle with it. Like we talked about two straight weeks, uh, even though they got the wins. Um I mean, with the Chargers-Chiefs game, it was just kind of a matter of the Chiefs getting their act together. But we're seeing a lot of these these given up these leads being blown, and I think the Falcons have just taken the brunt of it because of how pathetic it's it's been. But a lot of a lot of teams are giving up these big leads um, late in games, and I don't know if that's COVID related or what. Um, but it's it seems to be a little strange and, and happening at a higher rate than it has in seasons past. Yeah, this is the weirdest season, I think. I mean, we probably this has to be the weirdest season of our lifetime with the whole pandemic going on. And um, yeah, I think you're kind of just seeing it on the field, man. I agree. It has to be COVID. Like, it, that's got to be like a major key factor in this whole situation. Like, I, think, I mean, think, think about it this way. Also, fucking, we just found out Tennessee literally had to shut down operations because three players tested positive and nobody's allowed back until Saturday. And they got a game on Sunday. Like, how the fuck is might, that? Uh, they're saying that they might um, have to forfeit the game. That's crazy. Yeah. That is crazy. So I wonder if I can pick. Uh, I wonder if that happens. Uh, I, I wonder if the spread is. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah. I'd, love, I'd love to know if <laughs> I can money. pick the, if, if that's the case, if I could pick the Steelers in my survivor pool for a forfeit, wonder if that works. That that might be something I could pull off. What do you think? I, I think I think it's a go, man. Go for it. Uh, I'm going to see, I'm gonna see what the rules are on that. That's tough. What I, what I will say, too, is that, you know, I don't not only that it's COVID, but I think that the rules are set up in the NFL uh, for comebacks. I think that the way uh, the league's rules favor passing offenses, I think what happens is, you know, you, you can throw downfield, particularly when uh, you have defenses that go into this prevent mode. I, I don't know why teams kind of lay off the lay off the throttle when you, you you're you're up big on a team. You start running the ball. You go three and out. You know, you stop. You stop taking risks. You stop pushing the ball down the field, and you're quickly turning it over to these offenses that can move down the field quickly on you. And I think it's just it's the nature of the games that towards the end we all talk about garbage time. I'm sure we all play fantasy football. Uh, you, you get beat up in in garbage time, right? These guys that you know they are very easily able to pick apart these loose zone defenses and score some points at the end. And uh, every once in a while, you you start getting into that prevent mode a little bit too early. I think Buffalo did that. You know, uh, talking about it this week, you're, you're up 25 points. Those leagues, the, these leads can evaporate really quickly uh, with all these really good offenses. And uh, I don't know. I think teams have to be have to be cognizant of that. And unless you're playing a really poor team, if you look at the teams that um, weren't able to pull off those comebacks, right? Like the teams that got down early and stayed down. Like we, I already made reference to the two uh, New Jersey teams. Uh, you know, they, they don't have the, they don't have the roster to, to make those games close, but um, teams are dangerous nowadays, man. These, these offenses are no joke. Yeah. Ruder, I respect the fact that you're sticking with the Jersey theme for the jets and the giants. You said oh, that yeah. you're going to do that and you, you stay true to it, man. I, I really appreciate that. I, if you if you go with by sheer alliteration alone, the the Jersey Jets and the Jersey Giants just sounds better. It do. It honestly do. Like we're calling that from this podcast from now on. Like they oh, they are man, the Jersey Jets and the Jersey Giants, <laughs> the Bills that are only true uh, New York team. That's right. Yeah. Um, Duke, I got a question for you, bro. Yes. Is Drew Brees done? Is it over for him? Yeah, I've I've kind of I've been saying this for a couple seasons. Not that he was done. Um, but it, it's been a, a running theme the past two seasons, at least maybe going back three seasons that, um, he's very strong in the first eight weeks and then slowly regresses, um, going into the second half of the season. Uh, he's had a couple of good playoff appearances, but he's just, he can't maintain that zip. Um, I, yeah, I, I think so. It's the, if, 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 I'm him. I'm retiring after the season. I, I just, he's not, he kind of reminds me of Peyton um, and Peyton's final year, but they don't have that defense to, to carry him to the Super Bowl. He can still make smart decisions, but in that offense, it's not about smart decisions. It's about big plays, um, explosive plays, opening up everything else. Um, it, it's just not, it's not a good situation for a quarterback and, and, at his point in his career um I didn't think he would be like this bad not that he's yeah I mean it's it's kind of it's kind of a weird situation I don't I I didn't think he would be as bad as he he has been opening the year um but I kind of figured that this would be his last effective year if not if not last season um he looks yeah I think I think the Saints have to figure out what they're doing yeah. sooner rather than later. The, like 
the whole offense is literally passes don't go further than 10 yards down the field. And like, they I can't think, do that in Peyton's, in Peyton's system. It's it's ridiculous how how inept this offense looks. And and you go look at his numbers from this past game against Green Bay. He put up solid numbers. A man threw three touchdowns, 288 yards. Like, if you look at just the numbers alone, you would think that, oh, shit, Drew Brees still got it. That's yeah. why it's always important. You got to judge these games by watching them. You can't just go by stats. You got to watch these games. Because if you watch these games, it's literally just dunk, like check down to Alvin Kamara. Alvin Kamara had 13 catches for over 120 yards. And uh, he, it's just yards after catch. Like, it's all yards after catch. Like, the ball travels an average of, like, six yards in the air. I think I've seen a stat on pro, uh, pro football reference. Like, it's ridiculous. And then, like, now you're missing your best receiver, Michael Thomas. He has a high ankle sprain. And even when he comes back, he probably ain't going to be the same for a couple of weeks. Like, receivers, you got a deep threat that can't even go deep because you can't throw it far. Like, th- for them to throw the ball deep, they're doing trick plays with fucking Taysom Hill. Like, they got to do flea flickers with this dude to be able to take a shot 50 yards down the field because Drew Brees can't do it no more. And there's a couple of plays in that Green Bay game where he's just getting to wind up, and he's just hesitant to let it go. Like, because he's thinking, like, yo, I can't get it there. This is probably going to be an interception. Let me pull it back and let me dump it off to Kamara, hoping hopefully he does something with it. So, right now, the Saints are one and two. Um, I was saying last week when we uh, – or this past weekend when we was picking the games – I would be shocked or I would not be shocked if um, Drew Brees is benched before the season is over because you're, this offense is limited. Like this is not the same New Orleans offense we've seen in 2012, 2013, where Drew Brees is just slinging it all over the field, 5,000 yards back to back to back seasons. Like his arm is done. Like his arm is cooked. He's still smart as shit. He's still making the right decisions. He's not going to hurt you in turnovers and things of that nature there. But when it takes you, 20 plays to drive down the field to score a touchdown and you're not getting no quick strikes or nothing of that nature there. Like that just puts such a, such a fucking hindrance on just your team in general, man. And he, he looks done to me. He looks shot. And then you got, you're going against Aaron Rodgers, who looks fucking amazing right now. Like he's just doing it like Aaron Rodgers shit. <sighs> Ruder, what you thinking, bro? Yeah. I'd agree with you completely with the exception of the fact that I would be shocked if Drew Brees was, was benched before this year is out. Um, he's been the face of that franchise for uh, the last decade and then some, uh, you know, and I, I do love what you said though, about, you know, you just look at the stats, you know, 29 for 36, 288 and three touchdowns. Uh, and you think to yourself, wow, Drew Brees doing Drew Brees things. Right. But watching the game, uh, you realize that you look a little further and uh, 19 of the 29 completions went to running backs, tight ends, and, you know, then some mess to whatever you'd call Taysom Hill. Um, <laughs> but he's, he's not the same guy. Uh, you know, you can make excuses. You can say, okay, Michael Thomas was out. That's his top target. That's a guy that he would feed the ball, you know, 15 targets a game normally. So he wasn't there. Um, but yeah, he's, he's just not the same player. I mean, let's, let's face it. It's not like uh, he just suddenly forgot how to play. The guy's 41 years old. Uh, age creeps up on all of us, I suppose. Uh, so I, just, I think that's a, it's his time. And I, I agree with Duke completely that he should uh, ride off into the sunset after this year. I think that uh, he just can't play to the same caliber that we're used to watching him play. Get Jameson yeah, in there, man. a really good point about um, the yards after carry and how you can't just look at stats. Because if you looked at stats, I mean, he's creeping near three. Uh, I mean, he threw 180 against Tampa Bay, but the, 
Raiders and Packers, he was creeping towards 300 yards. You would think that he's leading some prolific offense. Um, they scored 24 and 30, but mm-hmm. if you look a little bit deeper, Kamara had 139 yards mm-hmm. receiving, and and I believe he had like nine. He had somewhere between 90 to 100 in the Raiders game. And I mean, if they if <laughs> if they were two and one instead of one and two right now, Kamara would be like I'm a like the MVP shortlist because yeah. he's absolutely carrying that offense with Thomas out. Yeah. Um, and, and Breeze is still making smart plays when, I mean, he's finding like Smith and, and Sanders when he can, but it's just physically he's not there. He's still a great offensive mind. He still reads the field probably better than anyone, but it's just, it's, it's, it's sad to see. It's sad to it see. Is. I was it glad is. to see it with Peyton, even though, he won that last ring, um, but everyone will always remember that he was kind yeah. of carried there. And and the Saints aren't going to carry Breeze, and he, it might be a very bad record for him in his final season if he does make the decision to walk away after this. Yeah, man, this ain't looking too good for them boys. Um, and then Tom Brady, meanwhile, he's looking like he's back to some form of himself because he's looking shitty as well to start the season, but. He's still kind of throwing under throwing passes and whatnot too, but he can at least they're at least tempting to throw the ball down the field. Like they they at least try. They don't even try with Drew Brees no more. So, uh, sorry Saints fan, they, 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 yeah, ain't looking too good for you guys. Although shout out to McCoy on that block uh, for Alvin Kamara. That shit was dope. Seeing the lineman move like that to go get a block, I love seeing shit like that. Um, I kind I kind of want to wrap up this segment talking about uh, right now my front runner for MVP. Mr. Russell Wilson himself. Um, can we just talk about how amazing this dude is? <laughs> like, cause I don't think we, t- I don't think like people don't talk about it enough. Honestly, I really don't. He is so fun to watch, man. Absolutely. It's absolutely incredible. And I don't, I don't really, I'm not the biggest fan of Metcalf. I think um, they use him very well in that offense, but I just don't, he doesn't, he's never really had a, 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 a amazing number one wide receiver and he's been an MVP. He should have been an MVP candidate for the past five years. I picked Rogers at the beginning of the year. I'm going to stick with it because I feel like he's still right there, but Wilson, I would love to see Wilson win his first MVP. He deserves it. He probably, it's, it's fun watching that team, man. It's fun watching that team. That Seahawks Falcons game to open the year was amazing. The Patriots game was one of the most entertaining games of the year thus far. He might be more fun to watch than Mahomes thus far this year. It's, 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 I love, I, I love it. Yeah, man, he, he's really a a different and unique player out there. You know, you can say that, uh, you know, Mahomes with his, his rocket cannon arm, just throwing deep shots at Hardman and Watkins and Hill, uh, you know, you could say the elusiveness and the the speed watching Lamar Jackson, you know, rip a run off the edge for 25 yards. Uh, there's guys that are highly entertaining and that all have pieces. You can talk about, you know, the way Aaron Rodgers just flicks his wrist. And it's like a cannon just on a, a laser beam, you know, right to his receiver in the corner of the end zone. And it's kind of like, you know, you watch Russ a little bit and it's he's got a little bit of all of that. You know, um, he's maybe as elusive in the pocket as any quarterback in the league. He doesn't have that flat out speed of, of a Lamar Jackson, but he's incredibly hard to bring down. Uh, he's creative in the backfield uh, when he does throw on the run or from the pocket. It's incredibly accurate and on the money. Watching him throw a deep ball to these receivers is 
uh, about as beautiful a thing as you're going to see in sports, watching the ball travel 45 yards in the air. And it's like, he's dropping it from two feet away into a trash can, just right in the receiver's arms every time. Um, and what, what's kind of fun to watch is he, he does have some, some players around him now that they can make plays for him. Tyler Lockett, uh, maybe the most impressive improvement that I've seen from any player in football. He's not just that deep threat anymore. He's a complete receiver. Uh, he, he can beat you, uh, you know, in the short passing game, he can beat you deep. That, that's a hell of a player he's got there with him. That's, that's one nasty combo. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, Russ is, he was, one DK Metcalf early celebration away from a six touchdown game. Uh, the guy's incredible, fun to watch. Just all the superlatives, he he deserves all of it. So for him, brought up the the footwork in the pocket too. It's such an underrated aspect of his game. Um, he might he might have the best footwork in the pocket in the NFL right now. Yeah. Uh, and and when you couple that with his ability to get out of the pocket, it's almost impossible to make the man uncomfortable. Yeah. Which is just a great luxury to have. He, he has this unique ability. I'm sure you've seen it where he turns his back to the play, which you don't see a lot, but he, he seems like he has a, has an awareness as well. Not only is it the footwork, but it's also an awareness of where the defenders are on the field. And he allows them to reverse field different than any quarterback that's out there. Normally you're going to see a quarterback rush to his throwing side, whereas Russ turns away from it. And it's not able to throw, not only just able to throw across his body, but also, has the ability to turn his back on the defenders and uh, reverse his field better than any quarterback maybe that I've ever seen. So it's an incredibly, incredibly entertaining guy to watch. And uh, we're, we're all lucky to kind of be watching these, these quarterbacks right now. Uh, it's, it's really seems like a golden era between, you know, Lamar and uh, Russ, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, you know, Breeze and Brady on their way out. It's, it's a hell of a good time to be a football fan. Russell Wilson's deep ball, man. I think <clears throat> that might be the best deep ball I've ever seen in, in, in my life. Cause like you said, Ruder, it just it just drops from the heavens right into the fucking bread basket every time. Um, you pairing that with like DK Metcalf, who's a fucking physical physical specimen himself. And um, I mean, it's it's like you said, they're just fun to watch. Like Russell Wilson, just like the theme right now is let Russ cook, and he's cooking everybody. Like <laughs> every team he went up against so far it has felt that Russell Wilson power so far, man. But just like, look at these numbers. Like first 925 yards passing, 14 touchdowns, one interception, and he's completing 77% of his passes. It's ridiculous what he's doing right now. He's legit playing Madden. Like he's legit playing Madden on the field. And it's it's amazing to watch. Um, shout out to the Seahawks, man. They're, it's crazy how the Seahawks defense is kind of, is, is very shitty. And this offense, Russell Wilson is just carrying this whole team. Like, he just, he's, man, shout out to Russ. That's all I got to say. Shout out to Russell Wilson. Yeah, one more thing. I mean, that's a that's a really great development. Well, I wouldn't say great if I was a Seahawks fan. But um, from the outside looking in, when they won the, well, when they went to those Super Bowls and won um, and then lost to the Patriots, it was always talked about how uh, Russell Wilson was a game manager. He was being carried by a rushing offense led by Lynch and one of the best defenses that's ever been assembled and all of this overrated talk and all of that to there. I mean, honestly, they're in a position now where their offensive line last year was one of the worst in the league. This year isn't quite as bad, but isn't anything to be uh, happy about. 
their defenses have been getting torched and he's just carrying them to victories, Mm -hmm. which is a complete 180 of what we've seen when he came into the league. Uh, And I think that's amazing to see. Um, Of course he's had good years before, but I'll, Two years ago, Mahomes went crazy. Last year, Jackson went crazy. And this year, he's he's finally getting his due diligence from the average football fan. Not due diligence is the right word, sorry. Due credit. Um and yeah, it, it's just a it's a cool, cool transformation to see. Uh and just carrying these teams and having explosive offenses and Pete Carroll finally really letting him let loose. Yeah, man. It's a beautiful thing to see. And um just a just a progression of Russell Wilson throughout his career, man. The dude came in in the league as a third round pick, third round quarterback, and DJ um, Graham. Graham. <laughs> and now, I mean, he's fucked around. He's he's arguably the best quarterback in the league right now. Between him and Patrick Mahomes, it's pretty much like take your pick, who you got. And uh, I love it. I, I fucking love it, man. I hope he and hopefully, um, if he continues this trajectory, he's going to be the MVP. Like it's going to be plain and simple as that. So. Shout out to Russ, man. Shout out to the Seahawks. Um, let's talk some basketball, man. A little bit, yo. Like, I, I, I was skeptical. Like, when the season shut down, when COVID happened, when Rudy Gobert touching mics and shit, you know, I was like, I don't know, man. This might be a rat. Like, the season might be over. But NBA got it together, came up with the bubble. Teams went down there. And um, man, we're gonna have a fucking finals, bro! <laughs> like, wh- holy shit! And I mean, the Lakers, pretty much. I mean, like you know, they was probably the favorites going into the season. But who the fuck seen the Miami Heat making it all the way to the finals? Not me. A four and a five seed, man, in the Eastern Conference Finals. When's the last time we've seen something like that? Mm-hmm. Four and a five seed. Um, I don't know. Spolstra has just put on an absolute clinic in these playoffs. Um, he followed the Nick Nurse model of defending Giannis, worked to it worked like a dream, mm-hmm. downs them in five games, goes into Boston, and just he he's only putting seven players on the court. Only seven player, eight players touched the court, but seven basically played all game. Um, and the thing is with the Heat is no matter who touches the ball in what spot, they're a threat. They don't – Butler is kind of on that elite uh, cusp, but other than that, they don't have any crazy – they don't have their LeBron James or Anthony Davis. It's just that no matter who touches that ball, they're they're a danger to score. They're a danger to make plays. Bam Adebayo, I know he had that crazy scoring night, but what impressed me the most was his passing. He had that one play where um, they come over and double him and he shuffles the ball, I think it was behind Tice, for a perfect pass, leads Butler in for an easy bucket. Um, when, and when you're an athletic freak like Adebayo is, to have that wrinkle to your game as young as he is, it was it's truly impressive to me. I didn't really notice it until these playoffs. Uh, <clears throat> sorry. Hero, who was more of a spot shooter throughout the season, is actually taking people off the dribble, mm-hmm. getting to the rim, hitting mid-range shots, hitting the three-point shots, Duncan Robinson has taken a couple of people off the dribble, Fucking which Duncan. is just, yeah. It's if Iggy um, can stay, I, I'm taking the Lakers in six, but if Iggy can stay 
hitting from from the three point line and and can put in an effort on defense. Uh, this is going to be a really fun series. I think the Heat match up very well with the Lakers. Very, very well. This version of the Heat, because people, I think, are looking at the two earlier games they played in the regular season where the Lakers beat them twice. Um, They blew them out one game, and then the next game was closer, but the Lakers won that as well. This is a totally different Heat team, and I think you just kind of explained it perfectly. Like, Tyler Hero is not a rookie no more. Like, this is his sophomore season, and he's in the playoffs, and he's fucking balling. Bam at a bio, the 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 way that he has been able to raise his game in these playoffs, particularly in this Boston series, where he was the best player on the floor for Miami all series long. He was their best player on offense and on defense. They ran the ball. They ran their offense through him. Like you said, like he was bringing the ball up to court. He's their center. All right. We only know one other center that does that right now, and that's Jokic. And the passing, the scoring inside, smart defensive plays, one of the greatest blocks I've ever seen on Jason Tatum. And was that game one, game two, whatever game that was. One of the greatest blocks I've, I think it was game one. Okay. One of the greatest blocks I've ever seen in my life. Jimmy Butler and like uh, Tyler Hero, like you said, he's a bucket. My, my, my man said what he said. He's a bucket. <laughs> like, stop him if you can. Duncan Robertson, like, we see this dude. Like this look like the typical prep school dude, and he's a fucking stone cold killer out there. Like you leave him open, you give him an inch of space, and he's throwing that shit up. And then more times than not, it's going in. And then you just got Jimmy, who just like got the bad rep in Chicago, got a bad rep in Minnesota, got a bad rep in, in Philadelphia. Finally goes to a team that he says, "Yo, this is the culture that I want to be a part of," and. Goes down there and everybody was saying, oh, yeah, you want to all you care about is winning and you're going to go to Miami. He good luck, you know, have fun being eight, uh, 41 and 41 or some shit like that. You know, HC, you know, good luck. Be, be, be happy with that. And I was one of those people. I'm not going to lie. But, <laughs> but for him to go down there and he said, yo, this is a business trip and you see it in him, man. He's the just a natural born leader and he's not afraid of the moment. Um, he believes he's as good as, as no matter what our opinion is about him, he believes he's as good as any other player in these playoffs, including LeBron, including AD, including Giannis. And then you see his performances and it's like, shit, man, (laughs) shout out to Jimmy buckets, man. I got so much respect for that dude, that team. Um, the Miami is just a, it's a really nice feel good story. And then, like you said, Eris Poltra, the coaching job that he's done in these playoffs, um, like just switch it to a zone and just stifling teams. Like teams can't figure out a zone. Like this is shit that people was playing at bitty basketball, peewee basketball is zone constants and they can't figure it out as professional NBA players. This was like, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, so shout out to Miami, man. And then on the other side of the things, the Lakers, just, they just ran through the West. <laughs> like They just ran through the West, man. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Um, just to get back to the zone, um, that that's going to be the issue. I mean, that was the issue with their games um, in the regular season. Uh, so that is my going into game one. That's the biggest adjustment that I'm excited to seeing for Spolstra, what kind of defense they go to, if they kind of set in those zones. Um, they struggled in the end game six, against was it game six or seven against they, 
Boston. No, no, they didn't six, get the game. So right? It's game six. Yeah, it went six games. Yeah, game um, game five. With, game five is when Boston kind of figured it out and they kind of like took the lead. Yeah, towards the end of the game. Yeah, yeah. and then game six, they they kind of did well. Um, but the thing is with the Lakers is they have zone busters. I mean, yeah. you have the passing of. It goes back to like you said, it's pee wee basketball, but it also goes back to the eighties and, and fundamental basketball. Um, to break down a zone, which a lot of teams kind of rely on athleticism nowadays, but with with the passing of LeBron and Rondo, they have the shooters that they're knocking down shots. Um, and then Anthony Davis, they basically have the perfect storm to defeat a zone. Uh, they, the zone notoriously allows mid-range shots, which Anthony mm-hmm. Davis has been killing this year. Um, and if they start hitting threes, everything just goes to shit in a zone mm-hmm. defense. So uh, I think the Lakers kind of have the perfect setup to go against the zone. Uh, so I'm ex- I'm excited to see what Spolster does there uh, because, like you said, personnel wise they match up better than maybe any of the opponents the, the Lakers have played thus far. Yeah. But the the zone I don't think is the right way to go in this series. I think that you're going to see spurts of it. I don't think that is going to be their primary defense. Because, like you said, they, like they match up very well. Like Bam Adebayo and Anthony Davis is is a fucking awesome player. You're not going to stop him, but Bam Adebayo is going to do as good of a job on him that anybody else can do. And then you got just a ton of different bodies that you can throw at LeBron. Like you literally have three defenders in Jimmy Butler, Andre Iguodala, and Jamison Crowder who can go and check him. Now, LeBron's passing, we already know about that. He's arguably the greatest passer of all time, at least in my lifetime I've seen. And he's going to get his shooters open. Um, Rajon Rondo, we got playoff Rondo showing up now and he's been balling out of his mind. So that's another playmaker on the court for me. The key for the Lakers is are those shooters going to hit those shots? Like Danny green, we know his finals resume. Like when the finals time, he just comes out of nowhere and performs one of the best players on the court. Uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope. Are you going to knock down those shots? Kyle Kuzma. Are you going to knock down those shots? The biggest question I have for the Lakers is who's going to be that third guy. Who's going to be the third guy to step up for this team and and help overcome this Miami team? Because this Miami team is really, really good. I see a lot of people say, oh, yeah, Lakers in four. Oh, this is going to be an easy sweep, all this shit like that. And I get it. I, I, got, I get that the confidence is high. I just handle your business against uh, the Trailblazers, the Nuggets, and then uh, the Rockets. But um, this is a different animal. This is, this is the best team that you face in these playoffs, hands down. And um, it's going to be very interesting to see how – these teams match wits, especially Spolstra against uh uh what's the Lakers head coach? Vogel. Vogel, yeah, yeah, Frank Vogel. So I'm excited, bro. I'm I'm really excited for this one, man. I think it's gonna go seven personally. I hope it goes seven. Um, but uh yeah, man. So um any key matchups that you are looking at, like one-on-one matchups that you're that you're uh, eyeing for these playoffs, for this finals, I should say. Not really um, one-on-one matchups. I think with both of these teams, um, it's more about different defensive looks. Uh, I don't think Butler is the best probably perimeter defender defender on the team, but I, I don't foresee him guarding LeBron for most of the matchup that might fall to Crowder. Um, but as you know, I'm a huge fan of coaching and kind of the chess match of, of basketball. And uh, especially with on the Heat side, um, well, there's two things. One on the Lakers side is do they go big and kind of try to take advantage that the of um, Bam being the only true big that the Heat have been 
going to in the playoffs. Uh, if they put Howard and Davis in there and rotate McGee, they might be able to find a lot of easy buckets, especially if they run that zone. Um, or if they're going to put Morris out there, who didn't have quite a good uh, conference series. Um, so I, I, I'm just I'm curious to see how big the Lakers go. Uh, and then on the other side, I'm curious to see do they do they trust an Iggy to, to to hit magic one more time and not slow down LeBron but make him work for it or is it going to be a committee defensive thing because then that's going to force them to put Crowder on the floor for a long time. Yeah, and offense hasn't been performing as well with Crowder on the floor because it takes Duncan Robinson and uh, takes some of that three point shooting off the floor. Um, so that, that is kind of until game one, I don't know. Um, it's just, it's so, it's going to be so open there. No one really knows what other either team is going to do. Yeah. Um, it's here's a question that I have for, uh, for both of you guys as a more casual fan, I've really enjoyed listening because, uh, in, in most sports, I really do love that, that chess match that, that Duke was alluding to, uh, you know, really, you know, watching the NFL become a, a coaching league, uh, you know, watching the the X's and O's in a hockey game out there on the ice, watching, uh, you know, managers manage their bullpens and, you know, the, the pitching matchups and, you know, righty versus lefty matchups. And I just, uh, like I said, really enjoyed this conversation because I, I don't know as much about the, uh, uh, about the the current state of NBA basketball. I haven't been as close a fan as probably I should have been over the last few years. So it's really cool hearing this one. One thing that I haven't heard mentioned that as I've started watching more uh, over the last uh, couple weeks of the playoffs, a guy that I love to see um, kind of having a bit of a resurgence. And I'm wondering, my question is how they're going to use him is, uh, is Dwight Howard. Uh, and you see that if does he figure in at all in, in these NBA finals, I saw that he had increasing minutes his his old ass got a, a double double in there against the Nuggets. They increased his minutes up to like I have to say he played over a half an hour uh, in Game Five. And um, I don't know. What do, you, do you guys think that uh, his size brings anything to the table in, in the in the finals? Yeah, I actually. I mean, I I can foresee him actually being an X factor. Um, he's one of the guys on the roster who is going to be a Hall of Famer, but doesn't have a ring yet. So he's probably going to be one of the hungrier guys trying. Obviously, it's going to be want to be on the floor, um, but going going back to a little bit of what I was saying before is it, it all comes down to um, to those matchups, and particularly inside. Obviously, LeBron's the biggest player, and he's going to get most of the uh, the media attention. But I think that's where the game's going to be won, which is kind of a far cry of the the way the NBA has gone in the past couple of years. Uh, does Vogel go back to kind of old school basketball and take advantage of the fact that um, after Adebayo, the the Heat have Myers Leonard, Kelly Olenek, who haven't played much in these playoffs, especially that last series against the Celtics. And if they have both Anthony Davis and Howard in there, it's going to be extremely difficult because the the Heat have no one for Howard if Adebayo is on Davis. And maybe they put Crowder on Davis and, and, and Adebayo on Howard. But even as good as Adebayo is, that's a pretty big mis- mismatch because Howard can, ma- can match that athleticism, but it's also taller. Uh, Adebayo, I believe, is 6'9". Howard's 7'1", seven seven maybe. Yeah, they both um, about 6'8", six, 6'9". Six, 
Howard really six nine? Howard is. Yeah, and he was listed as a seven footer his whole career. You go like you stand like you look at him standing next to LeBron. They're pretty much looking at each other eye to eye. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no way. There's no way. Howard's I'm telling you, bro. I'm telling you, he is not six nine. He is not seven foot. He was never a footer. He was never a footer. Uh, now, you officially, know he's, he's officially NBA, listed at six ten. These NBA players lie about their height. <laughs> like, uh, like how many uh, how many times was KD saying he was six nine? Maybe I let the NBA freaking brainwash. <laughs> But yeah, the, the the size, regardless that Howard can bring into that lineup, um, yeah. might force Bolster's hand, or maybe they just hope he doesn't kill them. Uh, but it, if he if he forces Crowder onto Davis, Davis is going to have a, a field day. Davis might win. Howard being in the lineup might lead to Finals MVP status for for Davis. He's going to have the mid range wide open for him. He's he's going to back down Crowder every single time. Davis has the passing ability to dish the ball over to Howard for easy dunks if um, Adebayo has to come over and help defense. It and, and defensively, it kind of neutralizes Adebayo as well, allowing um, Davis to to guard him one on one and not worry about getting beat because he has such a, a, a capable rim protector and and Howard behind him. Um, so it, I believe I, I foresee Howard getting a lot of playing time in game one. And from there, it depends on how Spolster game plans and and, uh, tries and neutralizes them. I'm going to be interested to see if Howard is going to be playable. Um, and what I mean by that, yes, he, the, the size factor that the Lakers can, can, can bring, they could just be physically imposing and just pound you in the glass and inside the paint. So that's one that's one story. That's one universe. And another universe, they just shoot him out the gym. Like they just shoot him off the court. Like if if everybody is going, and this is the thing about Miami, man, when they're going, when when the shooters are shooting and everybody is hitting, they're they're unbeatable. Who is Howard going to be checking if that's that Miami team that we're going to get this finals? Because okay, if you got Anthony Davis on Adebayo, or if you got Dwight Howard on Adebayo, whatever it may be. I think that might be what it have to be then, because Adebayo, if he's cooking Howard, I don't think. I, honestly, I don't. I'll be really shocked to see if Howard can contain Adebayo. I don't. I don't know. We will see. I guess we will see. But um, if you're spreading them out, and you know you're you're doing five out, four out, you got Adebayo leading the offense, and um, he's running the offense through him, and he's able to kick out to these shooters. That kind of just makes Howard obsolete. And that will force the Lakers hand to maybe go small, put Anthony Davis at the five, bring in Kuzma to bring him back, bring him at the four. Um, and yeah, I mean, like like we were saying, it's it's a chess match. It's going to be what happens with these players and how do these coaches adjust. So in one universe, you got the Lakers just pulverizing them down low because the Heat are pretty small. Oh, and then in another universe, I can see just Miami just fucking shooting them out the gym and making Dwight Howard completely unplayable. Because Howard do get in those moments where like he was playable against the Nuggets because he was just checking Jokic all game and he was just kind of just roughing him up the whole game. Like he was just beating his ass literally the whole yeah. game, just elbows and talking shit to him. And you can tell it kind of got, it kind of got the Jokic too. It's kind of funny seeing Howard as a tough guy. Cause he'd never <laughs> been like that his whole career. Like Howard never been like that, but um, very interesting to see, man. That's a good question, Ruder. So to give you my answer, I think that, uh, Shit, honestly, I don't know. It's gonna go. It could go both ways. It can honestly go both ways. I know it's a cop out, but um, he could have a huge impact in this yeah. game. And at the same time, I can see him being unplayable. 
I'm, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like, I, I kind of sound like I'm copping out, but it really, it really is going to be that way because yeah. it's, 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 I mean, like you said, they can, they can go small and kind of run Howard out of the game um, and, and try to beat them with all those three pointers. But then on the other side, uh, what are you doing defensively? If you have hero Robinson and Drogic in the game and you're running yeah. four, four guards forwards um, hybrids, to try and get that three point uh, edge, what are you doing defensively? Um, Cause you're definitely not running a zone with those guys effectively on, on the kind of athleticism they're bringing on the court with the Lakers. Um, so it, it really, that is going to be huge. Um, game one will tell us a lot on how this, this series goes. Um, in that aspect, I mean, Spolstra is a huge upgrade over Vogel. Uh, it, that's, I mean, that's the, the, that is the, the, the path to victory for Miami. Mm-hmm. If they're able to win, I don't want to take anything from the players, but it's going to be, uh, and it's going to need to be an incredible display of coaching from Spolstra, um, as well as we think they match up with them. It's there. He's going to have to make the right decision every single time. Because um, I mean, they st- the the Lakers still have the two best players in the series and and the NBA that historically leads to championships. I just want to touch on that real quick because that's another thing as well. Usually, if you you look at a, a a team, and if you look at who got the best players, and typically that's the team that you want to go with to win it. But this Miami team, top to bottom, would you say they're the deeper team than the Lakers? Because yeah. like obviously, obviously, my Lakers have the top two, like Le- LeBron, AD, AD, LeBron. However you want to rank them, they're one, two in this series. But then yeah. after that, you go down the line, and it's just like there's a Miami player that I'm taking over a Laker player all the way down to probably run like seven, eight. Like you know, you got Jimmy, you got Bam, you got Gra- well, uh, you, Dragic. You know who's going to check Dragic? The top two players. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. <clears throat> would you say Jimmy and Bam are the top? two players on the Lakers or the heat. I mean, yeah, they're the top two players on the heat. And then like, okay, so those are the top two for the heat, but then let's talk about the third player. So who's the third player for the Lakers? Is it Rondo? Is it Kuzma? Is it Caldwell Pope? Any of those players, they're not better than Dragic. You know what I'm saying? And then then you go down the list after that, any of those players, they're not better than Tyler hero. And then you go down and listen that Iguodala playoff. Iguodala is a real thing. Like yeah. this is this is about to be finals Iggy. I think he can be a huge factor in this game. Gorgon Dragic could be a huge factor in this game. These are players, it's particularly Iggy, that's been there and that's done that and that knows what it takes to get the job done. And that's going to be huge for this Miami team. The Lakers got LeBron James. They got Ray John Rondo. Those are two guys that are championship players. And Danny Green, like that's it. So it's going to be interesting to see how these players handle this moment. You know, I mean, it's it's no, it's a neutral court, no crowd factor really. Um, I'm I'm very interested to see how this plays out. It's that's one of the things I've been thinking about this for this game. Yeah, I definitely agree that the depth um, favors uh, the Heat. It's not even necessarily depth because they're only having seven or eight players touch the floor. Um, but like I said uh, at the beginning of this segment. Um, they, every one of them is dangerous with the ball in their hands. Yes. Um, but the Lakers have just faced that with, with the nuggets. I mean, um, and, and kind of, even though Russ kind of shit the bed to a, a smaller extent with, with the Rockets, they've been the least deep team that, that 
in, in all of the series they played in. Honestly, even with Portland, uh, with all those guys coming back from injury, they had – once you got past the, uh, the top two guys, I would probably take three or four guys from Portland before I took guys from the Lakers. Um, the thing is, though, is like we were talking about with football, with Breeze putting up those numbers but obviously not being a great player anymore, I think it's the opposite with Rondo. Rondo, um, pure point guard – most pure point guards, most underappreciated position in basketball right now because we've seen the rise of the scoring and shooting point guards. Yeah. But you don't see the stats from those guys, but they elevate every team they're on. Mm-hmm. You look back when Rondo went down a couple of years back when uh, Jimmy was still on the, the Bulls and they, they were, I think they had a 2 0 lead, was it? It was, it was a Rondo, uh, Wade Butler. Yeah. Yep. 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 Yeah. And, and then Rondo goes out and they just fall apart. Mm-hmm. Um, so even though uh, that's that's another interesting fold to it is even though the Heat are deeper and they're going to have more talent on the court past those top two positions, um, the Lakers have done a great job between two maestros and LeBron and Rondo of getting those guys in the right positions. Um, so I think it's less Spolster versus uh, Bogle and more Spolster versus those two guys. Um, oh, yeah, that's deep. So, uh, yeah, it, it, I definitely, I definitely agree to, to kind of make this a slice point. I definitely agree that the Heat had the depth in their favor, but, um, the Lakers have, have that on court intelligence, uh, that no team in the NBA really has been able to match. Can I just note that I love that you called them maestros? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, uh, I'm a fan of that. As word. someone who can't chime in too much on this conversation, I just want to point out your use of the word maestros and how much I enjoyed that. <laughs> so, th- so thank you for that. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you. All right, I want to give. Uh, let's get predictions, and then we can go ahead and wrap up this show. So, you already kind of gave your prediction, Duke. You said Lakers and seven. No, Lakers, uh, and, six. Lakers uh, and six. Excuse me. Lakers and six. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I do think. I do think that there's potential for it to be it'll be a five game series as well. Um, Ooh. It, it, yeah, I mean, it depends on on the defensive um, game plan. A hundred percent. If they stick to that zone, I think it's going to be in four or five games. But I don't. I give Spolster enough credit to think that he'll make the adjustment, and it and it will be a, a six game series. Real quick, shout out to LeBron, man. Um, ten straight finals or ten finals appearances. 10 finals in eleven years. That 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 is stupid. <laughs> like, like, that is stupid. Like yeah. he's healthy, his team's getting to the finals. That, that shit is ridiculous. Shout out to LeBron, man. The, the, and I want to give a huge shout out to Anthony Davis, man. He's just getting lost in all this. The dude that's a right fact. Now, he currently stands as the third highest scorer in playoff history mm. right now. Between he's he's point five points behind uh, Allen Iverson, and then obviously Jordan's at the top. But Anthony Davis has completely, along with Vogel, to his credit, has completely transformed this team defensively. He is an animal in the playoffs. Everyone always asks, "Oh, Davis can't be number one. What has he done?" He's done very little, but it's because he's been given very little. But I remember that series against the Warriors when when he was dropping 45 a game and still losing because he had his second best player was who even knows. And Davis is, to me, a top five player in the NBA. Bar none, doesn't get the respect he deserves. 
Um, and I hope, even though LeBron deserves all the credit, I hope people can appreciate the way uh, Davis has been playing. I'm gonna need Anthony Davis to average more than six rebounds in this in his finals because. And I, I, yeah, that I wasn't feeling that against Denver, man. Like one rebound and two rebound games. I'm like, dude, come on. But no, shout out to no, you're right though. He he is putting on offensive performances right now. Like he's unguardable. Like there's nobody that has been able to guard him or slow him down, even with the ankle injury. Like he rolled his ankle um in that game four against the Nuggets and still, still 30. <laughs> I'm I'm dropping 30. Dribble, footwork, passing. Yeah. He has it, he has it all. But yeah, that rebounding was definitely a Definitely a needed criticism. So I'm getting real, uh, real um, Detroit Lakers vibes. Oh three, oh four from this series, and that would just, be amazing. That's a just, great point. It's just something I about it's something about that. this Miami team, bro. It's something about this team. It's something about Jimmy. It's something about just Dragic and Tyler Hero. They're, they're not they're not punks like they don't get they don't get punked around like the Lakers have been able to do to these other teams they don't get just physically imposed on like they went against Giannis and completely shut down the most physically imposing player in this league right now um it's a different mentality and I'm, I'm fucking I'm going to do it Miami and six fuck it whoa Miami and six Jimmy Butler gets his Revenge tour right now for Jimmy. He's going to shut up everybody that was talking shit about him. Tyler Hero, the baddest white boy in these playoffs right now. Tyler, the great white hero. <laughs> <laughs> bam at a bio. Bam, bam. I, I, I just like this team. I really do. I love this Miami team. It's, it's just the, I like the root for the underdog. Plus, on top of that, man, I can't see a Lakers victory. I, I'll be happy for LeBron for getting one another one. You know, now they give him four. That closes the gap on Jordan in a lot of people's minds. Um, but that, just the Lakers fans, I'm just not trying to hear that shit from them all season, Honestly. all off season. Just, just fucking worse. Them and the Boston Celtics fans are just the fucking worse. Ah, please, Miami, please just, just do this for me. I just need it. I, I just need an off season of non-Lakers fans being happy. And that'll make me happy because I'm a happy Sixers fan right now. Yeah, I, I I I respect the the courage, man. <laughs> Ruder, I, 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 I like that you brought up that 0-4-0. Oh, four, oh, four, yeah, four, I'm getting oh, three oh four oh three oh four Chauncey yeah. and the boys, man. That that Detroit team. I, that, I appreciate that comparison because that's, I mean, they don't have quite the toughness between Ben and Rashad, but it's a little less important nowadays. So, yeah, exactly. But I think yeah. it will be akin to that. Exactly. Quickly, because I know we've been here for a while. Would you kind of compare that this Heat team, if they were able to win as underdogs in every series other than the round one series, um, would you compare them to the 11 Mavericks? We haven't had a crazy performance like like Dirk, but that's what what I was thinking about. I can see your point there. Um, Like you said, though, like Dirk would just went berserk. That was one of probably the greatest playoff run I think I've ever seen from somebody between him and Kawhi from one single player. Um, But, yeah, just the team overall, the way they play defense, the way they communicate, the way they move the ball, and the way they shoot, that's a very good comparison. I do like that. So, um, yeah, yeah, just that underdog feel-good team, man, that could just get it done. They can can do it. I believe in them. I really do. Uh, Ruder, I know you said that you really wasn't, paying attention to basketball like that this season, but I do want to get a prediction out of you, man. This is going to be the tiebreaker. What are you thinking? 
Oh, Maestro's in seven for sure. Maestro's in <laughs> seven. <laughs> love that. Love that. Yeah. Maestro's in seven. I think Rondo has a big series. Uh, AD and LeBron are going to do their thing. And uh, just for shits and giggles, since I mentioned him earlier, I think Dwight Howard's going to have an impact early and he's going to set the tone for the series. And uh, yeah, Lakers. Is that a thing? Did any, did any of what I just said make sense? I mean, yeah, it actually did. Did I put, did I put it together? <laughs> you did. What I did there, I used context clues from what you guys were talking about earlier, and I put just enough spin on it to, to make it a coherent sentence. That's what hey, I did there. You are a smart I, man. I appreciate it, dude. I do what I can over here. Hey, I repeat. I, I, Howard better not make me look stupid. I'm over here saying he might get 30 minutes week, or game one. Watch him get like three minutes off the bat. Solid three. A solid three, too. We're going to get in and just file twice. I'll take him out. Take him right back. Out. <laughs> oh, man. Yo, Duke, man. I really do appreciate you coming on the show again, bro. Always a Thank pleasure you, talking to you. Um, you. you be coming home soon, right? Yeah. I'm trying to get back by November 15th. That's my birthday. Okay. Um, but the latest I'll be back is Thanksgiving. Okay. Uh, yeah. You know you get in town, man. We got to do a show live. I got to oh, have you in the studio. Of course. I got a, I got some stuff I'm talking to Matt. Got a couple things with the Trap Nerd guys. We're going to do a little uh, <clears throat> a little competition. It's going to be it's going to be a good time. I'm not going to put all the details out yet cuz we still have to figure it all out, but Okay. Looking forward to that. Uh go coming between us and them working together. Um yeah, and Trap Nerd's taking off, man. Trap we just got our own own place, building a studio in there, going to offer podcasting services. Anyone wants their podcast edited, um, recorded, need to use our equipment. Um, and Marv's actually getting pretty deep into the music stuff. Uh, he's already got one artist. I don't know if he wants me to announce it on here, but uh, look out for that coming up in the next couple months. Um, so we're, we're, we're trying to just expand and, and get bigger and, and get better. And I'm happy to get get back in business with those guys. It was a passion of mine and I haven't able really been able to, to partake in it since I've been out here, but looking forward to that. I'm always available for your podcast. I love talking with you guys. Um, yeah. All right, man. That's what we like to hear, bro. Yeah. And then, uh, yes, yeah, trap nerd, shout out to trap nerd, shout out to, to our, shout out to Lacey, shout out to CJ, shout out to you, shout out to X, man. Um, I said like episode one of sports, your enthusiasm, first episode I ever recorded, I have said that you guys on the trap nerd and then Matt Johnson was the reason why this, this started the sports enthusiasm started because of those two podcasts. Like I listened to them. I was like, yo, my peers is doing it. This is something I want to do. I'm going to go ahead and jump into it. And I got to give credit where credit is due, man. So, and it's an awesome product. Like I'll, I'll tune in every, every Monday when they release. And um, yeah. Yeah. So shout out to those brothers over there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't want to take too much credit. Um, me, CJ, and, and Layson were actually supposed to start something years beforehand, but I was still in school, and uh, they were kind of relying on me for technical help, and I couldn't really help them because I had some other stuff going on, and that didn't deter them whatsoever. Um, they met, they linked up with Marv, they established the brand, they got they got better, and luckily I was able to hop on once I was done with school and stuff. But yeah, man, those guys are an inspiration, man. They starting that and and the clothing, the podcast, everything kind of getting better. And, and you, Matt, man, I, I love seeing the content coming out of the city, people actually taking it seriously, putting a good product out there, yeah. uh, trying to get better every week. 
Um, so yeah, man, def- they're definitely inspirations, but you're, you put out a good product dude, for sure. Yeah, appreciate that, man. Ruder. Yes, sir. You got anything to add, sir? I would just like to add that I would like everyone to stay hydrated as always, as we wrap up our show here, I would like to, uh, advise everyone to drink plenty of water, okay. stay hydrated. It's going to be a very exciting final series. I can mm-hmm. tell. Uh, so you're going to get very excited. You're going to be a lot of sweating and, uh, stay hydrated. What else do they need to do on Facebook? Oh, they need to uh, like our Facebook page. It's syepod at facebook.org or something like that. Uh, they should email at us, uh, you know, uh, send an email. Do people still email? Duke, is that a thing the kids are still doing? Or are they still emailing? They, I mean, they do it out here. I'm out in Wyoming, and it's a very old population. I get a lot of emails coming on Mondays in my inboxes. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, send us an email. Do you want to give the people the, the real address there? Yeah, it's uh, sports or enthusiasm podcast at gmail.com. That's a mouthful, but it's worth it. We're very nice in, when we reply and uh, it'd be a great time. Let's get a dialogue going. And then like my man said, make sure you guys are drinking plenty of water. Stay hydrated. Enjoy the finals. Enjoy week four of football. We will be back with you Saturday morning with another edition of Beat the Odds. Thank you for listening. Take care.